Hi, my name is Meg. And uh, my name is Tom. And this is On the Clock. <laughs> we are going to just sort of talk about a, a myriad variety of topics that interest us for 20 minutes exactly and no longer. Yeah. Oh shoot, Tom, do you have the timer? You need the timer. I do need to set up a timer. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be the timer for this one. Next time I'll be the timer. Okay. You're going to get to hear um what is it? Apple stock timer music. So, look They're absolutely to that. not going to be able to hear Apple stock timer music. <laughs> I will edit it out with an explosion or something. <laughs> so, yeah. Tom's basically saying we're going to talk about stuff for 20 minutes that we like or that we want to talk about. Yeah, because, you know, when the apocalypse uh, seems to be upon us, what better to do than start a podcast? Uh, all the cool kids are doing it, uh, and we can only hope that this is preserved for future generations when the giant metal birds in the upper atmosphere that scream radio waves into our brains that we call the internet. Um, we can only hope that they're still up and running when all of society collapses Mad Max style. It's either that or the TikToks, honestly. Yes. Who's going to live out first, the podcast or the TikToks? Well, I mean, if I had to pick between like this show and free Shavakadu to put in the history archives. I, I mean, let's be real. I know which one I would pick. Look at all those chickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is not going to be just us talking about vines for like an hour, I promise. <laughs> no, it's going to be 20 minutes. That's the conceit of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, eventually... Trust me on this. We have some topics laid out already, so we already have a list of what we're going to talk about. Um, eventually, my love for Vine is going to come out, and you're going to see it in full force, and I will go into a deep thesis state on like everything about humorous Vines and why it died. Trust me. Look forward <laughs> to that at some point. I don't know when. <laughs> it was a good... Um kind of format for content and this is kind of in the spirit of that because we're forcing ourselves to stay brief we're only talking about things in 20 minute intervals for that reason so we gotta cut to the meat right in front of you guys or else if we just faff around we're gonna lose our chance yeah basically i mean a lot of this was like we want to talk about stuff that's going on now or stuff that like you know could distract people stuff that could um kind of get them interested in um maybe potentially looking at things in a different lens i think i think that's like a good point of reference for where i thought this was gonna go um i don't know if that's like potentially different for you but just like kind of like seeing things in like a different lens like yeah. you know the lenses that we look at specifically yes and the 20 minute thing is definitely not just a gimmick yeah, definitely not. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically what we're going to be going into. Um, I think what we're going to try to do, um, and uh, apologies in advance, because the audio setup is not great right now. Um, we have like a mic coming in, but as far as 
what we're doing now. We have like headsets and we're recording in our living room. I make which... no apologies. I will record on a $2 microphone and you can listen or leave. <laughs> Basically, I mean, really, the true podcast listeners will have that acquired taste. <laughs> Podcasting is a medium with no barriers to entry, which means I'm free to have no standards. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> if that's the case. Um, so we, I don't know if we want to talk about the topics first or tell them what the topics are specifically. I think we should just go into it and then maybe we'll... Yeah, let's we'll... just do it. We're going to free ball <laughs> it. show We're notes. Free balling. Yeah. The show notes. Free balling. And with that, um, light breezy intro, let's take a hard right turn into, uh, overwhelming negativity. <laughs> All right, are you setting the timer? Yeah, I'm setting the timer. Three, two, one. Go. <laughs> okay, Wisconsin. Um, over Overall, it's a nice state. I like it. We live here, full disclosure. Um, we do. You know, I like going to Milwaukee. I like living by the lake. Um, my, my family comes from the state. My mom's side of the family has lived in the state pretty much for I mean for as long back as I know. Dogs. Dogs. There's a lot There's of dogs. So many dogs. We live across the street from a dog park and I'm just like enamored every time we come home from work and like there's just like a bunch of dogs in the park. Obviously not now because like the doggos need to be safe and so do their owners. And we're also not driving to work right now. But like yeah, usually there's just like a bunch of dogs in the park and I just like I like coming home to seeing them running around in the dog park. It's cute. Yeah. But the political situation is pretty frustrating at the moment. Um, fuck Wisconsin. Fuck <laughs> Fuck Wisconsin. Fuck Wisconsin politically right now, honestly. Yeah, politically fuck this. So um, basically, if you've been watching the news recently, um, Wisconsin had their primary elections uh, at the beginning of the week at time of recording. Um, basically, in the midst of a pandemic, the governor attempted to delay elections until June, and immediately, either the same day or early the next day, the conservative majority Supreme Court denied canceled this they rolled it back yeah um, they they like overstayed it i think it was the next day yeah so uh elections went forward and it was predictably a disaster with only a handful of polling places in milwaukee the largest city in the state and similar situations everywhere else where you know people were being forced up to line up in enormous numbers, exposing several of them to the virus, um, or staying home and being denied their voter rights. Uh, and that's even just for the people who are registered. Like, personally, I was not even able to register because, yeah. like, there I was had... like, a weird setup in order to get registered, and just with all the hullabaloo. Ugh, yeah, we, we attempted to register on, during the previous, like, local elections, Mm -hmm. But we were denied because we don't have Wisconsin, official Wisconsin state ID. Um, and we were planning to register, you know, in like... In March. March, but then coronavirus happened and I, we basically had to isolate 
and we weren't able to get up until our now. IDs. Yeah, yeah, we weren't able to register, so we weren't even able to vote by mail. Um, but that's getting off topic. So, why? What is happening? Why is this happening? If you could er allow me to get um, wildly conspiratorial and accusatory for just just a moment, just a little bit. Hat on. My tin hat is firmly placed on. Don't the, worry. The tin hat is on, except over my mouth, which I'm using <laughs> to shout at you, the viewer, listener. Yay! This is a podcast. The viewer listener. So, um, in 2016, uh, we all remember the previous primary. Uh, there was a lawsuit leveled against the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, accusing them of rigging the primary against Bernard Sanders. Um, and due to a number of legal reasons, this was um, eventually dismissed. But notably, during the proceedings, the official defense for the Democratic Party um, argued that effectively it's their own primary and they can do what they want with it. Um, they said... Like, and I quote, we could have, like, decide, we could have voluntarily decided that, look, we're going to go into back rooms like they used to and smoke cigars and pick the candidate that way. That's not the way it was done, but they could have. And that would have also been their right. So, this is the that's, DNC. That's nasty. That just sounds so awful. This, this is their lawyers arguing for their right to determine their own primary, which, like, that's a way of looking at it that, you know, they're not beholden to any kind of democracy among their own supporters to choose their primary. The leadership can just go ahead and pick whoever. Sure, that's legal. Um, but then this week, the Democratic governor of Wisconsin attempted to delay the primary and the Supreme Court of Wisconsin said, no, we're overturning this, this order and we're going ahead with the primary. This is like a disaster, obviously, because like this is putting Democrat, dedicated Democratic voters and election judges at risk, like people who are dedicated enough to your party to like put their time and effort into running this primary. Like, these are the most hardcore Democrats who are actually, like, yeah. going to risk their life to vote. Largely, um, we know the elderly vote as a as the largest percentage of the population of their own set. Well, I mean, yeah, they it, it's it is largely um, the elderly who choose to go out and vote. I think a lot of the younger population lately have been, you know. They've been yeah. getting out there more so since the last general election, but I mean, considering the circumstances, obviously they haven't been doing yeah. it because they're, you know, they're taking it like very seriously. And that's not to say that the elderly isn't. I just think a lot more of the conservative side, um, Republican speaking especially, um, and considering they're the fact, like they're predominantly the reason why the voting happened on Tuesday. Um, they they basically helped. Yeah. It's just like you know they the conservative side hasn't really given the um the the necessary caution to COVID nineteen as. Yeah. And this is I mean to be expected right the conservatives yeah. are you know they're they're gonna say hey 
you know, voting is going to go forward. This is what the Constitution may say. So we don't care about human lives. Voting goes forward. But the Democrats, it's their own voters who are largely going to turn out to vote in this presidential primary. Um, Dedicated Democrat voters who are being put at risk. And what do we see as a response from the DNC? We don't see like this talking point of, hey, it's our own primary. We can do what we want with it. There was no effort no. on the part of the, the Democratic National Convention to, to challenge this. The only campaign that was calling for the, um, the election to be pushed back was the Sanders campaign. The Biden campaign was still encouraging its voters to go out and vote. And like, besides like this betrayal and this, this loss of life that's going to happen from people getting infected to this virus, um, it's, it also strategically makes almost no sense, which is the bizarre part to me, because you're just losing voters, uh, that like, they're not going to vote for you in the general because they're going to get sick. They're going to get hospitalized. Yeah. Like this, this hurts you in the end game. But it goes along with that mindset of like liberal ideology. <sighs> don't get me started we're on liberal heavy. ideology. We're getting heavy into it. Ideology. We're getting, we're getting there. See, liberal ideology in my mind, in my mind, um, focuses a lot more on the structure of democracy per se and the integrity of like just like grandstating democracy in the nation. It is very nationalist at times. And I find that it focuses less on the population of like people. Like, I don't think it focuses on the collective, you know, human movement that is working towards better democracy. I don't think it focuses on the actual regular working day people's needs and society. I think it's focusing more on just largely the rich <laughs> i mean i don't mean to get super eat the rich i'll get that later but like you know i just think that with this kind of mindset it, it's not really putting the average working people who are going out and voting um democrat like the diehard people i don't think it's going to put their better interests at heart and that just seems very typical to me of liberal ideology like i <laughs> It's just always kind of been this way, and I think that people are kind of seeing that more so now. Yeah, I mean, the misplaced priorities, as as we see it, of the Democratic part, Party, uh, one of those is definitely, like, prioritizing um, systems and, you know, decorum, propriety over, like, the actual benefit of policies to human lives. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at um, right now a Vox article that talks about um, specifically this primary election, and they were talking about how um, the state has received a crush of absentee ballot request about 1.2 million, when usually it's like 250 or 250,000 or fewer in a spring election. So like, Obviously, the desire and the need of the people is to have this be an at-home ballot. Like, yeah, clearly, so many people were asking for this, and it just it did not matter. Like, yeah, and it would have been us too sending in absentee ballots if we weren't, you know, unregistered exactly. due to 
I mean, I, I don't want to say that's a lie. I do want to say it's bullshit. I have an ID. I have proof it's of residence that I live in Wisconsin. Why do I need a Wisconsin ID? I have a proof that I live in Wisconsin and an ID. Yeah, honestly, it's just... It's, it's really, like, needlessly dif difficult for, and I'm assuming this is kind of similar in other states as well, it's just so extremely difficult for people to get into primary election, especially, like, just, like, if you're moving, like, yeah. I, I remember when I was in college, I registered to vote, um, and they just had people doing it on campus, and that was great, and I think that really encouraged young voters to, like, get out there um, yeah. because they had that set up. But I mean, if I didn't have that kind of like motivation or that kind of structure in place, like I didn't have that when I was trying to change into a Wisconsin voter, um, like I would be lost or confused as to how to even go about it. Like I think with the primary election now, a lot more people are like a lot of the media is covering how to get that handled, not necessarily skewing a certain way. Maybe. I don't know. I do know it is skewing a certain way, <laughs> but like, you know, it's. It's, it's getting a little bit more information out there to younger viewers, and I do appreciate that. Like, younger yeah. voters are are able to vote a little bit easier now. Um, yeah. However, not really. <laughs> yeah, like, I... They're able to get the knowledge. They're just not able to really carry it out, because it doesn't give you everything. Yeah, like, I was able to register to vote when I went to college, because, like, I went to college in my home state, where I was born. So, like, I already had the... Um, I already had like a state ID, so I was able to register on the same day and vote. But like, yeah, if I had come from out of state, like, would I have just been turned away in the same way that we were now? I don't know. Yeah, I'm also reading this other article just because I'm trying to keep up with these articles right now. Um, the Times released an article about this situation as well, and they were talking about how. Um, black voters in Milwaukee are hit the hardest by the coronavirus and that, yeah. how that is taking into effect with the voting. Like, obviously if marginalized communities aren't able to vote, like, that skews a certain way politically. Yeah, it's, and it's the same thing that happened in Illinois, which is why I do think some of this blame does reside on the governor. Uh, even though he did call for the elections to be pushed back, he called for that like a day or two before the yeah, election was... happened so when the supreme court reversed that there was no time to challenge it but we knew as far back as two weeks ago illinois had their primary election you know like fucking 45 minutes south of here like yeah. you could basically take a hard look and see over the border at all the people <laughs> in chicago who couldn't fucking Lighting. vote trying to line up to vote but they can't <laughs> yeah and it's all these inner city communities that are hit the hardest because it's the most people with the least amount of polling stations and like this is basically naked voter disenfranchisement like this is i like yeah. again if i was going to be conspiratorial about this this is the center wing of the Democratic Party using the same voter suppression tactics that the right uses during the general election. It's almost like they're not very different after all. <laughs> yeah, and who do you think this is going to bite during the general? Like, 
you close the polling stations once, you think that Republicans are gonna, like, fight to keep these polling stations open during the general? No. No. And I mean, with how it is now, then, like, how how far-leaning do you think it's gonna get to the right, like, during the general election, then? Like, it's just, it's very disheartening seeing it right now. And I mean, we don't even have the results out yet. The They won't come out till Monday. Um, but just, like, it's not, either yeah. way, it's not looking So, great. by the time this podcast come out, listener, you will know. Uh, we don't so know. So, you tell us how not great it is, because I don't want to look anymore. On a scale of not great to absolute shit. <laughs> Where are we? Like, I know we're somewhere in there, you know? Um, if you think about, like, how Bernie did drop out, I mean... A lot of people are suspended. saying suspended. He's suspended. <laughs> um, I, just, I have conflicted feelings about that word. I'm like, I, I, I realize that yes, he has suspended his campaign, and that doesn't necessarily mean that he pulling up in the general election. However, I think he's going to lose a lot of steam with this, um, and I, I think that, you know, I love Bernie, and I appreciate the fact that he's donating a lot of his campaign money to like COVID relief. I think that's great. And I think he's taking yeah. care of his staffers pretty well. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just a matter of us not relying on that. And I think with this situation specifically, realizing that we're not exactly as important to our democratic system as much apparently, because if they're willing to let us go stand in lines for five hours, yeah. There are a lot of people who are standing in lines for polling for five hours. For five hours uh, when there isn't enough space to social distance in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think clearly you can see where our importance lies. But yeah, this is, it's the same, it's the same as the same as the same as. It's just, you know, every every tiny little thing within the political movement right now is kind of just showing how little to um, our system. And I think in a pandemic such as this, you know, you see people's yeah. true colors. And I do agree with you that I think Sanders should have stayed in probably a little longer because, I mean, like, I, I saw him in the Senate basically using the increased platform he gets from being a pres presidential candidate to argue for more. Um, coronavirus relief packages and affect it that yeah. way, which is a thing about people are saying like why it's important that he suspended and didn't drop out because he can use his delegates to affect the Biden campaign and maybe push them left. But I'm I'm not. How does I that just, actually work? Like you can't. I know it seems very complicated gonna, to me. Like yeah. I he he sent out a statement to have the Bernie app. So he sent out an email. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he sent out a statement basically saying, like, yeah, you know, I'm suspended, but I want you to, like, you know, to vote. Um, he didn't say it in so many words, but, like, he, like, basically saying, like, vote more to the left and avoid, like, voting for Biden in a way. He wouldn't say it like that. I'm saying it very. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I don't get how that works. Like, you I don't know how that works. Like, Biden has confirmed he's going to be the Democratic nominee unless he, like, dies between now and the election and like you can't oh, no. 
change him as a person. Like, you can't change his donors, so how is this gonna... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I just also wanted to say that the person who leaked the DNC conversations was named uh, Guccifer 2.0, and I think that's very funny. And that's our time. <laughs> What a way to end it. What what a great way to end it. <laughs> See guys, I told you we're great at podcasting. We're already great. Uh this is our first one and we got in one. We don't need to get any better. Yeah, no, we're good. This is, just listen to this on repeat for a while. Okay. This next topic. This next topic. See, I can speak words. Um this is going to be my area of expertise, <laughs> in <laughs> my humble true. opinion. I'm, I'm but a, I am but a new newbie convert. No, but the see, it'll be okay because some of these, um, I haven't even gotten to. So we're talking about horror movies that you can watch during quarantine because I think that's something that people are going to be into. Yeah, and um, starting the timer now. Now, okay, so. I've been seeing a lot of people uh, going on Netflix and um, watching, like, a lot of, like, you know, sickness and zombie-related horror movies or whatever, and I'm I'm not a great fan of doing that, especially during a pandemic like this. Um, it seems a bit inhumane, the way they depict these kind of horror scenarios, like, they they kind of seem like we are against each other immediately when it comes to like survival horror you know like it's survival of the fittest it's darwinism but like in horror and this could be the future and like any kind of movies that sees a societal collapse kind of shows it in a mindset of like um right away people start turning against each other and i don't yeah. like that kind of mindset especially in this kind of setting i don't think it's a really um, comforting notion. I don't think yeah. it's a good situation to put your mind in. And I don't think it's accurate either, you know? It's very it's not. individualistic and it doesn't really represent how people actually act during a, a crisis. Exactly, because I've seen so many people during this, like, trying to help each other out and, you know, taking care of people, uh, like, the, just amazing healthcare workers and people like, staying at their, who are essential workers and staying at their jobs and, you know, people yeah. who are just suffering i think we really come together as a community during times like this yeah. and i really think we should um <laughs> with the exception being like things like the toilet paper crisis the great toilet paper yeah. shortage the great toilet paper shortage that's something yeah. you know <laughs> that's going to be a fun note in the history books in about 10 years uh yeah. but it's fairly minor you know relative yeah. to all that other stuff exactly so I found some great horror movies that you should watch instead of those terrible ones like Contagion. Oh, she's, Stop watching Contagion. She's grinning ear to ear and like shifting in her seat. You, I'm you, so excited. I wish this was a video podcast so you guys could see this. It's, ah, oh, this is, this is my happy place is horror movies and gore and just creepy shit. Creepy shit is my jam. Um, so some of these movies... I have not seen, um, and I know that's like, 
kind of discrediting me, I guess. But, like, it's more like I don't like watching the same movies that I've seen before. I like to watch the new ones. And this is my list, so I get to watch what I want to watch. So, <laughs> so one of my first movies is The People Under the Stairs. Um, so I have a bio, or not a bio, exactly, a synopsis of what the movie is about, and I will read that for you now. Um, when young fool, uh, Brandon Adams, breaks into the home of his family's greedy and uncaring landlords, he discovers a disturbing scenario where incestuous adult siblings, incestuous, that's a word that I did not say correctly, <laughs> incestuous adult siblings have mutilated a number of boys and kept them imprisoned under the stairs in their large creepy house. As Fool attempts to flee before the psychopaths can catch him, he meets a girl, their daughter Alice, A.J. Langer, who has been spared any extreme discipline by her deranged parents. This movie. I have not seen this movie, and um, a lot of leftists and horror movie uh, fanatics have, so I'm probably like, they're probably cringing at me right now, but I, I haven't seen this, and I really, really want to. Um, and I think during this situation in which landlords may be really shitty and not being as nice to people during the pandemic, it might be a good idea to watch and see how, you know, the symbolism of a landlord getting his head smashed in could be, <laughs> you know, inspiring. I'm not saying commit violence against your landlords. That's not good. You know, but like, metaphorically smash their heads in. Metaphorically. You know, I just, I don't like landlords. And I, I think during this crisis, they've been kind of shitty. So I think having an idea of how you can kind of unveil the landlordship and how shitty it is, is great. So watch this movie and enjoy that. The next movie um, is Annihilation which some might say yes. is a sci-fi movie, but I think it's kind of horror movie. I think I it's a horror love, movie. I mean, it's both, right? Yeah. But Yeah, it's a genre-jumping one, which I always love that with horror. I love when they, like, jump around with genres. Um, yeah, Tom loves this movie. I love, yeah, this is probably my favorite ever horror movie. It's, it's so good. So here's the little synopsis about it. So Lena, a biologist and former soldier joins a mission to uncover what happened to her husband inside Area X, a sinister and mysterious phenomenon that is expanding across the American coastline. Once inside, the expedition discovers a of mutated landscapes and creatures as dangerous and as it is beautiful that threatens both their lives and their sanity. 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 Um, so this movie is just ugh, there's so much in it that i yeah. absolutely adore um the visual effects are beautiful and chilling and just crazy um and i think around this time specifically i was i was thinking about this because it, it has a lot of elements that involve nature and humankind and how nature is kind of like absorbing the human element and yeah. I'm seeing that a lot now with people saying, um, you know, this is Mother Nature's cure. Humankind is the sickness. We're the virus, yeah. really. We and are that's, the virus. That's just so gross. That's so gross to hear. I don't like eco-fascists. Yeah. I, God, that's awful. Um, 
we we are not the problem. I don't want people to think like, you know, obviously climate change is a real thing and there are serious problems that we are doing to our climate and to our planet that we should definitely think about. But I do not think that it's wise or ethical to say that we are getting sick and people are dying uh, because this is the fate deemed by Mother Nature. I don't right. think that's a safe thing to say. And it's not really... Like, we see all these things like, oh, the canals of Venice are clear. You can see through the Chicago River now or whatever. And it's like, we're still here. Like, yeah. clearly, it's not just humanity existing that is the problem. It's the fact that the whole, basically, 90% of the world is put on pause. Like, it's, it's not humans existing. It's that we live in a society we live in a society we live in a, a society where we're not able to put things on pause for more than a couple weeks really ever um or our whole economic order breaks down which you can see all over in the freaking news now and it's like if anything this is a hopeful like yeah this, this sort of thing is kind of like a, I'm, a hopeful I'm hoping... message so if we could just yeah. build a society where we could put things on pause for two or three weeks, maybe we can fix the whole, you know, environmental crisis. Yeah, and I agree. I think this this is hopefully like a a, a start for people to understand, like that this is you know a problem that we need to deal with, and like we are somewhat of a cause to it. However, eco fascists are terrible, and I hate them. Um, yeah. And this is, it's also kind of a film about how, like, uh, trauma and will, like, make you into a different person and how the kind of differing traumas and life experience caused by separation will, like, can kind of turn you into different people and drive you apart. Yes, because that's, like, a main point of the movie is, like, the relationship between Lena and her husband um, and how, like, betrayal and situations and separation can kind of go in kind of crazy directions with it um and i think having that kind of idea with um family and like couples being together i guess <laughs> like if you're isolating with each other understanding what you know being separate can do to you and how you can kind of like be different people from your relationship so it's just it's an interesting um it's an interesting take i think yeah um so moving on to our next film Oh, and I have seen Annihilation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I loved it. Um, the Indivisible Man, the new one. I have seen the Claude Rains version. Um, but I have not seen this new one because I think it was in theaters. I don't even know if it's if it's viewable right now. I feel um, like all movie theaters are closed. Yeah, like it was out during a time when I, I couldn't see it. Um, because shit got real. Um, so... Yeah. I really want to. I really want to watch this. Um, so the bio or the synopsis is: a crazed scientist uses power to become invisible to stalk and terrorize his ex-girlfriend. When the police refuse to believe her story, she decides to make matters into her own hands and fight back. Um, I really want to watch this just because I haven't, and I've been really meaning to see a new take of the Invisible Man. Um, the previous versions talked a lot about like sexuality and how like. Uh, male sexuality and homosexuality. Um, I can't really describe it in any way that is good as a 
cis white straight female <laughs> um but like it, it it was just like a really interesting take on um sexuality and it really revolutionized um a lot of things in i guess horror and um cultural perception and that's like just the movie like the book is different in a variety of ways as well but i think claude rains played it specifically to um a homosexual male kind of idea and um i think it did really well um this movie i think might be seems, interesting because seems to be a very different take on it like i yeah, haven't seen a, either but it's it's a very different setup and i think that's why i was interested in it in the first place is because it goes into uh the female perspective i guess and like, which may or may not uh, be a better choice about this because you know like yes the straight white woman's perspective on this let's get that but also it's like um you know i think it's playing off of like she's she is seeing this man who is terrorizing her and how like grief and the the kind of um dramatic effect of domestic abuse and how that can like follow you and it doesn't leave you and it can get you into like a panic and gives you serious anxiety for time to come so um I think that's I think that's going to be a really interesting movie to watch. I just want to yeah. see how they make it different. Yeah, I definitely it's disappointing that we missed our chance to see this in theaters, I think, but definitely got to got to watch this one. Um my next one <laughs> My next one is is not uh necessarily one that is like you know, watch this for the cultural value. This is just Meg loves Sigourney Weaver and I will never not love Sigourney Weaver um so alien <laughs> alien do we need to read the synopsis for alien like alien has a long synopsis and i <laughs> if you haven't seen alien really you should see alien and like you know what alien's about you know it's about aliens it's about an alien <laughs> it's about aliens it's about ah uh, sigourney weaver be having like the best muscles in the world and just like <laughs> I have I have like a major girl crush on Sigourney Weaver. I love every ever in like Avatar is one of my favorite movies, so like I love her in that. But like comments, I... comments, comments. I'm talking to you. Don't be mean about this. Don't do Don't it. Don't be mean. Don't be mean. Sigourney Weaver is beautiful, and I love her. <laughs> Even in Avatar. Even in Avatar. If anybody disses Avatar, I swear to God. I'll one on one you in the gulag. Don't don't do it. <laughs> I'm hip with the new jokes. Don't worry. Yeah, we we wear our podcast our podcast influences on our sleeve here. Yeah, Jenna Marbles is my like forever yeah. influence. So in case our jokes are familiar, but hopefully they're not too familiar. <laughs> yeah, we won't straight up jack them. I swear, <laughs> except for that one time. <laughs> But no, like, I, I love Sigourney Weaver, and this is just a really comforting movie to me, so I, I just want to watch it and feel happy inside, and I'm allowed to do it, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, we, we include it because it's about being trapped in a very confined space, which probably a lot of people relate to right about now. Yeah, just check your vents for aliens check or small children <laughs> crawling through them, I guess. You know, take care of your cats really yes 
Um, my next movie is Midsummer. I'm getting the five minute mark, so I gotta I gotta speed through this, but I don't, don't want to give him a peek behind the curtain like that. <laughs> I'm like I'm anxious now. I have to take time no, to talk you about have Midsummer. more time. This five minutes is is more than twenty percent <laughs> of the time. We're good. I can't do this. Okay, okay. I can't do this specifically because I love so many elements of Midsummer, and I think it's just such a really amazing new and nuanced horror film for our generation. It's and so good. I love this and Hereditary, both the Ari Aster movies that have come out in the past few years. They're just, just so good. Been mind blowing experiences for me. Yeah. Definitely. For me as well. Um, I'll breathe, I'll uh, give a brief synopsis that I read online for this one as well. Um, so a couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural, rural hometown's fabled <laughs> midsummer festival. Uh, what begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Um, and if you know anything about me, good old Meg, I love me a pagan cult. <laughs> <laughs> I love cults. I love <laughs> I love cults. I'm not in like any cult, but I love studying cults. Um, I love researching different um, old pagan history. I love. I don't know. I just I love. I love this kind of thing. It's so cool. Um, and this is something that is really prevalent in a lot of his movies like i think ari does like a he does this in um hereditary uh as well and um i think in the next movie that is coming out is also about religion um i cannot remember what it is called but i did see previews on it i don't know what it's coming out anymore uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah i think it is like a religious element there is we're uh hanging on the christian elements yeah. And if you haven't seen any of their movies, which we should probably give like a warning, maybe a content warning. Yeah, I was going to say. They are rough to watch. They have, if you have any issues with um, suicide, uh, domestic abuse, um, if you're not really into any gore or depictions of like anatomy in very grotesque manners, um, there's a lot of body horror, I think. Sex um, horror. There's sex horror. Weird sex. There's, I mean, I don't want to. I like, don't know if it's, I don't want to kink shame. Yeah, I don't know what if there's a thing called sex horror or if that's a category. But like, is this a new just category? Really weirdly depicted sex that, you know, in case you're uncomfortable with that. Exactly. Um, but I mean, honestly, what is paganism without a good orgy, right? You know. Is that a? You know, I'm not gonna spoil it by talking too in-depth about it. I don't... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, okay, it's very rough to watch and also really uncomfortable, but I think it is... A lot of why it is is because of what it's about. And um, it delves into a lot of grief, which a lot of Ari's movies also go into a lot of grief. Um, am I pronouncing, pronouncing his name right? I don't really... I don't know. I don't even know if it's a man or a woman, to be honest. I thought it was a man. Okay, never mind. Um... I'll look that up later. You guys can tell me if I'm doing it wrong. Be very sorry. Um, but I think that it going through the kind of like grief portrayal in this movie and how it kind of brings in a sense of community with the people um, is really interesting. And I think it is really important in a time of a pandemic when we need to kind of 
you know, come together and experience whatever we're experiencing together, because I think a lot of yeah. it is the same. And in that and... way, it's kind of like an opposite to uh, Annihilation. Yeah, I think I think it is like they offer different elements. So these are very good things to have in comparison. You should watch all of my list because all of my list yeah. is the good list. I mean, <laughs> Midsummer and Annihilation are both some of my favorites. Although I would say Annihilation is like my top fave. Yeah, I think uh, Midsummer. I just Florence Pugh is like one of my favorite new emerging actresses. Women. Women. <laughs> Ah, that's the What's timer. The end? That's the timer. Yeah, so there's my list. Um, yeah, I I highly recommend these movies. I won't talk about it anymore because that's the end. So this is where water. we would put the ad break as Meg gets her water. So, um, sub subscribe to Laudable. Um, <laughs> uh. Go to beundies.com, use the promotion code on the clock, and they'll send you um, 10,000 tiny pairs of underwear for your bee colony. Um, <laughs> I think also you should probably check out our social media. Yeah, check out the socials. Um, we have a Facebook page, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, so we are on um, Podbean. We are also on iTunes. Um, We're on iTunes? Yeah. We already made it big. Damn. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can follow us on Facebook. Um, I'm hoping in the future for some more audience uh, submissions to topics that we could talk about. I think um, you would probably like us to talk about things that you would like. It's probably interesting to watch us flunder about uh trying to talk about things for 20 minutes or maybe trying not to go over talking about things for 20 minutes so yeah um i'm gonna be setting up twitter soon so look out for that i'll let you know when it happens and that's all right it. okay so we are gonna go into our next topic which i guess i i was really interested in this topic so i will give you an absolute first whenever you want to start the clock all right yeah starting the clock and now okay so our third topic is doomsday slash apocalyptic nihilism during a pandemic the narrative <laughs> <laughs> so basically what i mean is um nihilism in the sense that people are kind of <laughs> accepting like you know our society is garbage right now and that's just how it is we are doomed our society is doomed and that's just how it is we're garbage which it's like that's a very like i don't want to say bad it's like a very um downgraded way of explaining what nihilism is it's a lot more in depth than that and it's not inherently a terrible thing um, I think there are a lot of nihilists out there who, um, theologically, um, you know, or socially maybe, um, are better at explaining it, like, it than me. Um, it's, it's definitely something that, um, has a lot of different meanings to it now, I think. Um, but from the way that I'm saying it, it's kind of just like doomsday theory, basically, you know, 
Um, yeah. People are saying it's the end of days. <laughs> we said so earlier. <laughs> we did. We did say that, and we're sorry. This is our formal apology. This is our apology in the form of a 20-minute long discussion about it. <laughs> um, so I kind of disagree with this mindset in the same way that I disagree with the zombie apocalypse um, end of the world uh, contagion style movie thing. Um, I think this kind of discourse is unhealthy to people who are going through anxiety about this sort of situation who uh, may or may not be depressed with how things are right now. I don't think it's a really good assumption to have that, you know, people are just going to have this antagonistic and hopeless outlook of our future. And I don't think it's um, necessarily ethical to do so, considering how many people are affected or affected and how many people, um, well, what kind of people are affected by it, um, this virus at least. Um, so I, I see people like watching contagion like i said making about the coronavirus and trust me i do love a good rona meme every once in a while like i'm not saying it's a bad thing i think having some dark humor in this is at times a little bit necessary in order to like stay sane yeah um but there's there is a line to it obviously there's a line where like catharsis becomes you know a self-reinforcing negativity yeah and i think having this kind of outlook on like society bad and society stay bad is kind of enforcing it. Um, And I think that it kind of downgrades the concept of us sticking together as a community to create change from this. Like I see a lot of more progressive thoughts from people and a lot more people who are saying, you know, wow, the rich are just like getting $100 like masks for their face like one at paltrow or some shit like had like dollar that's cheap as heck compared to what it actually <laughs> is i think like i think i saw mine like she had a, a mask um that she was like on twitter basically saying like yeah you know i was in the contagion movie know how bad this gets and i'm just like <laughs> bitch you were in a fake ass movie talking about this yeah and it's it's not even similar to what is happening right now so how dare you for one thing for another thing your goop is expensive as shit and stupid and for another thing like how dare you (laughs) yeah and that's not even the only one like i've seen i think the it might have been a kardashian i don't know the difference between them um i I don't know they're just clones right (laughs) Are they? I I don't know. Is they that are why they're cloned. all Kardashians? Clone Dashian. Anyway, I did oh, see God. one of them promoting like a uh, freaking Gucci leather face mask. You yeah. know, in case you need to tell everyone what an enormous sociopath you are while you're, you know, keeping your nose clean from all the poor air. I I yeah. it's so repulsive. It's it's really bad. Um, and I think that doesn't make things easier. But like I said earlier, like, I think a lot of people are realizing, like, you know, the rich are gross. And with what they're saying about this and what, like, tests, like, there's not that many tests out right now. And a lot of which 
early on were being given to uh, wealthier people because they can afford the doctors to take care of that and get tests sent to them. Um, the yeah. hoarding of toilet paper, um, the hoarding of groceries, just like the absolute panic that, you know, I, I don't want panic. I want concern if that makes sense. Like right. you should be concerned. You should self isolate. You should definitely social distance and, you know, stay safe and healthy, but you shouldn't panic because right. that induces this kind of doomsday apocalyptic behavior and this thought process. Because if you just think that the world is doomed, you don't necessarily have an idea or uh, a motivation to kind of change that mindset. And I don't, I don't appreciate that. And I don't think that's really good for us right now. I think we should yeah. motivate to start a better future. And I think with more progressive thoughts that people are having because of all of this absolute bullshit response by the government and by wealthy people, um, maybe people will lean more that way and they will, you know, start making more progressive changes. Um, yeah, I, and it's it just really, it boils down to like a mindset difference, I think, which goes back to like these disaster movies where you can see this. If you look at like uh, prepper culture, like people who believe there's an apocalypse coming and want to be prepared for that. This is like on the face of it, like you'd think this maybe you think these people are kooks, but it's not like a partisan position, you would think. No. But if you look at the people who do this. Um, even if they believe, they may believe that like, oh, it's a climate apocalypse coming or some other, you know, economic crisis. The people who are into this prepper culture, uh, skew by an enormous amount to be conservative, uh, individualistic and affluent. Um, yeah. Like white nationalists sometimes even. I mean, yes, occasionally, but they they build these bunkers and load up on weapons and guns, um, and the the entire idea, the entire ethos of the culture is like, shit's gonna go down, it's gonna go bad, and I'm gonna protect me and mine, um, and they just start off from this assumption that things are fucked. So instead of actually using their sort of influence or their skills to actually help things get better and move forward they're going to isolate themselves they're going to protect their property and their family which like let's be real some of them are viewing as their property <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> that is yeah <laughs> and um, they're going to wall themselves off from everyone else and um fuck everyone over who tries to like take from them i guess they're not trying to help anyone other than them and the people like in their immediate vicinity it's very antisocial, very individualistic yeah and i think what i meant with like the white nationalist is that i think it that's like on a more local scale that's what this kind of doomsday prepper um style is on a more global scale, I think it's white nationalists basically saying like a lot of these people who are preppers have more white nationalist belief because they think that like, you know, whatever horror or whatever bombs or anything is coming from an outside source. It's a lot of xenophobia and it's a lot of, um, you know, 
nationalist agenda. Like we have to protect our country and only our country is going to be the safe one. And only our country should we be, we shouldn't be letting people in, you know? And I think that with regard to this virus, it, it kind of showcases that in the sense of like people calling it the China virus or the, yeah, the God, it's bad. It's so disgusting and awful. And please don't ever call it that. Um, it's bad enough when something starts out racist and people resist to not like not say the racist thing anymore. But like we were already calling it coronavirus and then the fucking yeah. Trump parade is like it's the Chinese virus now. We're calling it that because we're explicitly being xenophobic. Yeah. Like they're and going out of their way to be an asshole, which is ah and it's just, it's not the kind of media and not the kind of uh, ideology that you want to have right now. You know, a lot of Chinese Americans are being attacked for this and business, their businesses are being attacked for this. And it's just, it's, yeah. it's awful. And I, I cannot stand it. And I think that this kind of mindset is part of the reason why. And I think on the local scale that it is you know, I've got mine, like, I'm going to protect mine. And on a more global scale, it is like, you know, our country first. And, you know, it came from them. So let's not let them in. Let's attack whoever is, you know, here. Let's fuck up their business. Like, the xenophobia and the nationalism really tie into the whole mindset. And like, the, the rich people basically parading around their wealth um, in times of this kind of crisis like it's just a do nothing attitude honestly it's like let me spend all of my money but literally do nothing else like fucking any any of these rich people who are donating money it's just like they're giving like pit a pittance of money like if you think about how much money they actually have yeah and this is me post uh bitchy shit show where they were talking about basically like how ellen degeneres uh, just, she gave, like, she wrote checks for, like, people or whatever, but it's, like, if you think about how much money she has and how much she's, like, giving people, it's, yeah. like, just the smallest amount, and a lot of corporations are doing that, and, like, fucking, who is it, Jeff Bezos, who gave the wrong kind of, like, medical supplies to uh, hospitals? Elon Musk. Elon Musk, that's who it was. Yeah. I knew it was some rich asshole. I just didn't know which. Gave a bunch of CPAP machines to hospitals saying that they were ventilators. And then insisting when people said, these are not ventilators, we can't use them. Yeah. To be like, nah, those are ventilators. Like, okay. What a dickhead. You did, you did a thing. It was dumb, but you did a thing. Um, just like this, this really do nothing, like adds nothing to society, but hey, I look good, right? Like, this kind of attitude is just absolute garbage, and I hate it. And I think, you know, with all of this media about these people and about this mindset, I think that um, people just kind of uh, adopt the society is ending, and I guess that's just a thing kind of viewpoint, and it's really hard to see. Um, And we need to like stick together and organize like the way to combat this is that we need to be proactive in sort of you know just working together like yeah exactly like 
sorry. No, it's go ahead. Instead of being these individuals who, you know, build a bunker and hole up in it and like shoot at anyone who tries to take our enormous stash of food, um, we we need to work together with people who don't have the means to see out this. You know, check on your neighbors, check on your like elderly people you know, your families. Yeah your friends like we need to Just stick together through this and look out for each other you know yeah this is like a really hard time and i know we're talking about like we we need to organize and we need to you know get out there and i agree we do i just i just want people to like take care of themselves as well like this can be very troubling time i have like a full-on breakdown yesterday about <laughs> about working through this and like it's just it's it's hard like it's hard yeah. on people but yeah i i think that with the way that people are moving with this kind of mindset um or with like within view of uh like the media coverage and the government input and the corporations spending their money on stupid shit um the response to that skewing more left and more progressive and outraged at that yeah. has me going like yeah it's good <laughs> yeah <laughs> keep it keep it keep it up <laughs> but yeah even like less to do with the immediate shift leftwards of like people who are suddenly supported of uh, a basic income provided by the government yeah. or health care when we need that in the midst of a pandemic um like just I... organizing together to take care of each other has like a knock-on effect in the future like those yeah that's why Bernie's campaign, why I wasn't absolutely devastated when he suspended it, is because that organizing network that he built is still there. And all yeah. these people still have those contacts and are still going to work towards coronavirus relief, climate change activism. Um, the more you, we organize, all those connections stay in place. It's a chain effect, yeah. Yeah, it, it ramps up the amount of uh, activism that we can do as long as we have the energy to do it. Exactly. And I think that's like kind of key in point to what we were talking about earlier with the Wisconsin polling and Bernie suspending his, um, his run is just, you know, we don't put our, our faith in the hands of one political figure. Like we, yeah. we have the capabilities to organize. And I think this was hard for me to kind of not necessarily understand, but like accept because I like, I had so much faith in like there being something in the system that was going to work out for us. Um, but you know, I, it was just something that I had to like, kind of accept and understand is that like, you know, we're really the only advocate that we have and yeah. we need to understand that and we need to use that. And that not, that's not necessarily an awful thing. Um, I don't think, I mean, it's not great that we don't have like the wealth and the power and like the position to move forward. But at the same time, if people work collectively together against something this large and for a certain cause i think that we have the capability in numbers and in like faith to actually to cause something and you know yeah bring in a new hope there's a reason the campaign slogan was not me us because it's like it's really not about the man like yeah it's it's not you know what i want to do now thinking about this what? I want to make another topic about how socialist 
the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy is. <laughs> Sorry, that was just a little aside. I said A New Hope, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> it's like we need to have a Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> that's no one's going to get that except you. It's a Disney ride that's Star Wars theme. Sorry, bye. I'm, like, obsessed. <laughs> um... Okay, my closing point for this is basically just I want outrage at the rich because the rich are bad. And <laughs> yeah, eat the rich. Um, I just want people to basically see like people are actually suffering from this, and I I don't think that having a sort of like whatever viewpoint is going to necessarily solve anything. Not now, not even after this whole thing is over. I we need to have the commitment to keep up our community, even in times like this, so that we can understand that we need to in the future. That's my campaign, 2022. 2022. There's 20. not an election. There is. There's a midterm. 2022. Vote for... Vote for a cat. Vote for our cat. Yeah, She'll vote. uphold our ideals. That's... in the, It's in the... Con the Constitution doesn't say a cat can't be president. For real. Lilith, you're gonna make it. You know, she After was, all. She was born in the United States. She's a U.S. citizen. Say something to your constituents. No, she's just running yeah. away. She's just running away. Our, our <laughs> cat has been biting my hand for the last minute of this podcast. <laughs> just sort of, I, just I've so been you know. like, I've just been preaching my socialist viewpoints and like this cat is just eating up my boyfriend yeah. in the corner. You know, that's just so, on brand for yeah. us. Don't eat me. Eat the rich. Um, <laughs> and that's time, <laughs> hey. which is a great transition, uh, into our next, our topic. next topic. Um, so quarantine foods, uh, I'll start the timer. Yeah. Quarantine foods. Number one, <laughs> the rich. <laughs> yes. Eat those. They're pantry staple. <laughs> They're so full of. Uh, preservatives. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh. See, this is where you're gonna understand that we're we're getting to the points where, you know, we maybe can't talk about this topic in twenty minutes. Because in the past we were having we were having trouble like, you know, limiting our talking abilities to twenty minutes now. We're talking about like food recipes <laughs> which might not hey, take 20 minutes i could talk about food for ages i think you can actually he's he's a he's a big food person he's a foodie um yeah foodie i'm the the vegan foodie <laughs> the, the vegan foodie um yeah we were gonna just give off some recipes i think um yeah because so... you know because we're all stuck in our homes, um, we need to be able to cooking. take yeah, as few trips to the grocery store as possible, and that means we need foods that last a long time. Um, you might not have a full-sized fridge, and you need foods that are pantry-stable more than just fridge-stable. So uh, with that in mind, um, we're going to sort of talk about things that we have made and make often that... Um, are also, you know, prime meals to get to during 
your quarantine. Uh, which I think number one that we have on the, on our list here is uh, bread. Okay, so I have a recipe slash I don't have a recipe. Um, the way I work um, with baking, because I love doing it so often, and I like doing a bunch of different um, recipes, really, uh, I kind of just fly off the seat of my ass. What is the saying? Pants? Pants? Fly by the that's, seat of your pants? That's such a weird saying. Whatever. I just it don't is. care. Um, <laughs> I like, I mean, I care because I like structure and organization, but at the same time, when it comes to baking, I have these parameters in my head already. So I already kind of know an idea, excuse me, of like how it should go and how, um, how much of things we need, I guess. <laughs> So bread, <laughs> bread. I'm finally getting to the bread. Uh, we have a bread maker, um, which is kind of like not everybody has that. That's like a very like. That's kind of don't expose us as bougie like that by saying we have a bread We're, maker. Okay, so <laughs> you can make it in your oven. You don't need a bread maker. Um. So basically, we have a bread maker, but at the same time, all of these ingredients that go into the bread maker can go into bread the only thing that differs is that we use bread making like bread machine yeast um but yeah. if you use active dry yeast that will also work it just so, makes proofing the dough easier really yeah and i kind of want to give you an idea because i know that flour is limited um to people and um oats however are not <laughs> at least where we are where we are they are not um so what I do is I do half and half. So I grind up um, in a blender. I put in about uh, a cup and a half or two cups of oats. And um, I blend that up until it's like a flour consistency, like a powder. And then I mix that in with a cup or a cup and a half of regular flour or we have like unbleached flour by us. Um, you could also just do three cups three to four cups of regular flour if you don't want to add in oats or if you don't have any oats. That's just a yeah. way that I kind of like keep my staples lasting longer. Um, um, but you don't have to do that at all. Um, so yeah, about three to four cups of whichever mixture of flour you'd like. Um, you need about three to four tablespoons of a vegetable oil. Um, you need about a cup of warm to lukewarm milk and you need some salt about a tablespoon of salt about a tablespoon uh two tablespoons of sugar and i said a tablespoon of salt i meant a teaspoon a teaspoon of salt and about a tablespoon to two tablespoons of sugar mm -hmm. um and, and then uh, you need... milk is i believe limited in grocery stores right now i think so we don't yes. buy milk so we don't know it's also something that you need to keep in a refrigerator um, unless you, uh, you can make plant milk at home. You can. Uh, I have done this. You can get, uh, coconut flakes. You can get, um, any sort of nuts. And if you blend these nuts, <laughs> you soak the nuts and you, um, basically like about an hour to eight hours, you soak the nuts in water. I prefer hot water to soak them. 
then you blend it up and you put it through a cloth, but not everybody has a cheesecloth. Um, yeah, if you have like true. a kind of like a like a finer grain towel, you can do that too. Honestly, they still have a lot of plant milks in the aisles. Like they do. I'm just that is not going out of stock. I know that it's a little bit more expensive and it's not a pantry staple. You can also use water. Honestly, the milk in the bread just kind of gives it a more creamier consistency because I don't use butter. Um, but like you can most definitely substitute it for water if you'd like. Just make sure it's warm. Um, yeah. So that's that's okay too. Um, but most cases you'll find bread recipes that have like milk in them. So if you can't use milk, you can, like we said, use any variation of plant milk or something like that. Um, or you can make your own plant milk. Um, sometimes if I don't have coconut milk, I just put some coconut flakes in a blender with uh, like about a cup to two cups of water ratio. And then I squeeze it out of my cheesecloth and I have coconut milk. It's definitely fine. It's not as rich and creamy as if you were to get it from the store. You can also get a can of coconut milk for like a dollar fifty to two dollars, I think. Yeah. But yeah. And it's yeah, I only bring up the plant milks because like the nuts and coconut flakes or anything, maybe even soybeans, um, those are shelf stable if you get them. The soybeans if yeah. you get them dried. Nuts and coconut flakes are shelf stable, as they are. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, so vegetables. Uh, you love them, I love them, maybe you don't, but everyone needs to eat them. They do. <laughs> the problem is, in this time, that they go bad. Like, cucumbers go bad super quick. Um, you know, peppers. I'm not just going to stand here listing off vegetables, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're vegetables, you know them, you heard yeah. them. You know what, it is shelf-stable. Uh, vinegar. Drink vinegar. No. Um, <laughs> when your vegetables are about to go bad, one thing we've been doing is we just save salsa jars, fill them with vinegar and dill seeds, and just plop those suckers in there. Just put, just pickle vegetables when they're about to go bad. Save them for later. Yeah, honestly, I think we had like two cucumbers that were about to like go bad, and we put cucumbers, some like chili flakes, some dill. Which dill I feel seeds. like you have to use dill yeah. seeds. Oh yeah, that is dill one thing seeds. That I people use, may not have. I use dill or dill seeds. Um, you can still. I have not seen any like, uh, you know, limitation on getting spices. I don't think they would do that. No, nah, uh, um, spices like. I don't know why they would need to limit it. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but dill, like the seeds, I think are like a dollar for a container and we yeah. had that container that container for like i want to say like five months we bought a small sized container and we still haven't gone through it after pickling like five or six batches of veggies so yeah so it's nice and if you have any other kind of like in your fridge there's a bunch of different recipes on like different kinds of pickling we like spicy pickles um if you look at the minimalist baker website they have at least three to four different pickling recipes. Um, yeah. I used a couple of them last week. Yeah, there's a there's quick pickles if you want things to be pickled and ready to eat in a couple hours, or you can just you know put 
vinegar and your spices and a little bit of water mm. and a lot of salt and the veggies. Just like put it in your fridge for, you know, a while. And they'll yeah, just... like about a week. About a week is usually how long like the pickling process is set. Like I think the longer it goes, the the bit the better the vinegary pickle taste. <laughs> Um, but like, it's picklier, you know. Yeah, I do recommend using white vinegar though because it it does have a crisper taste yeah. to the pickles than like any other vinegar. Yeah, I mean but the first time most... we used rice vinegar, I believe. Yeah, because we just had rice vinegar. We didn't have white vinegar. Um, but we recently got some. I think my mom just like brought over a care package with white vinegar. Um. Because she thought we were going to, like, clean with white vinegar. No, I, have, I like... bought that. <laughs> you bought that? I bought that giant jug of vinegar. Oh, my God. Why would you buy such a big jug? So we can make a lot of pickles. That's. <laughs> have you been listening to this podcast? <laughs> okay, okay. I, I undersold the pickles, I guess, with that statement. Sorry. <laughs> I do love pickles. If there's anything that I could enjoy. Like, in any form, it's pickles. I've eaten pickles with Oreos. Tom can probably attest to this. I think I've this done it in is, front of you. It is disgusting, and she does do it. And peanut butter. I've had them with peanut butter before, too. Pickles or Oreos? Pickles. And oh, Oreos. I mean, Oreos, I understand, but... Oh. I'm a gross human. Hi. I'm trapped in quarantine with this person. Please help me. <laughs> What other foods? Uh, well, I did do my first experiment with brewing my own beer uh, last weekend. That's um, a little bit of like a... You have to have the stuff for it. Like, he got a kit. You do have to kind of be set up for it. It's, it's maybe not the most practical thing unless you have all this stuff, but... Yeah, that's less of like a... Forever. It's less of like a like a pantry staple, like you have this to eat during quarantine. It's more of like a, this is like a fun activity that quarantine kind of like is a specific weird time element to allow you to be like excited about, I guess. Yeah, like, it's something yes. to look forward to, you know, in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, we could put this, you know, in jars. <laughs> It's... We don't have jars for it right now. I'm like contemplating. We had like we we had Blue Moon for the first time in like a month because we were sick, um, with the Rona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we we had beer for the first time like last night, and I'm like, maybe we should save these beer bottles for <laughs> when you have but your beer have, ready. We don't have caps for them anymore. That's that's true. This is true. This is duct tape. We're just. <laughs> 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 the plan was to get mason jars but they just didn't have any at the stores i don't really know what store to go to that's like open and i don't want to like be shopping around at this point so i might just have to google that maybe yeah. i'll have to like get it off amazon or something i don't know yeah but yeah another thing we've been using a lot of uh dried or canned beans to cook yeah uh like curries and chili or something you can do with that Yes, and honestly, okay, I'm stealing this from uh, Binging with Babish because he just released a video on the chickpea um, because of the pantry staple thing, and that's, like, a reason why I wanted to add this on here um, is because curry is one of my favorite foods to make. Like, I absolutely adore making curry, but, like, 
I'm vegan and there's a bunch of different ways you can make it and it's just yeah. like it's such an easy thing to make for us um we can make naan with it naan is really easy to make did my bread yeah. recipe that i said like five seconds ago if you just add like coconut yogurt or something to it maybe like dill if you're really feeling fancy i'm not usually feeling fancy yeah. um you can make naan and just fry it on a pan yeah. but like honestly curry is just so freaking good that i just adore having it and you can make it with like very little recipe very little items and you can make it like with yeah. whatever vegetables you have in your fridge really it's kind of like a stir fry in that you can throw a, a very wide variety of things into it and still have it turn out very well mm -hmm. um the one he makes in the video specifically is chana masala yeah which is the main ingredients are like chickpeas uh, tomato paste and onions and if you get canned tomato paste then the only ingredient in the entire thing that isn't self stable shelf stable is the onions and i mean honestly onions last for months a while anyway even if you don't refrigerate them mm -hmm. not months if you don't refrigerate them but still a very long time i've never had an onion go bad on me and i buy it in bulk i eat a lot of onions he eats so many onions is disturbing and i have to like cook for him sometimes and it's just like un he's staring at me with like this glee and i'm just like no <laughs> you could say it's uncanny no 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 i can't <laughs> i won't <laughs> can i but will i no um but yeah i think a lot of people are mainly hung up like i've had a lot of questions on how to make like curry from like people just like oh well how do you make curry like i like that eludes me like i don't know and i'm just like vegetables and curry powder that's all you need yeah that's the thing i think they don't understand how to do the spice element which honestly i mean before i went vegan i didn't have these staples in my in my spice bin but like if i feel like vegans vegans can relate like you have a lot of spices oh, yeah. like you just you always just have a lot of spices um yeah and i should I think clarify main... like curry powder is all you need but you should add more yeah i mean you don't even necessarily need curry powder like i've definitely made curry without curry powder um yeah. it's probably the easiest way to do it but like curry powder and garam marsala are two things that are like pretty cheap they're like i i mean they're they're like the the mccormick spice version of them are like a dollar fifty to two dollars maybe yeah. each um and they last like forever they last so long um and i mean i've had the same garam marsala for like i want to say a year probably i don't know um, if it's been that long but i mean they're spices I feel like it's they been last almost a year forever. yeah they last for a while um, is what I'm just basically trying to yeah. say. I mean, I'll go up to my grand, my my grandma's old house and use the spices in her spice cabinet. Folks, she's been dead for a couple years, and they're <laughs> the same spices she had, and they're still good. Yeah, they're they look dated too. They look so they old. <laughs> There's <laughs> like a layer of dust on them. It's not appetizing to take them out of the cabinet, but they still taste just as good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like curry powder, garam masala, and like, I, I don't even know, like maybe some soy sauce if you're feeling fancy, but like, 
Maybe you really some do soy not. Sauce. <laughs> Maybe some soy sauce. You do really don't sauce. need much. <laughs> like you really do not need much to make curry. And then you just need rice with it. You don't even have to have rice with it. You can have noodles. You can have naan. You can have uh, quinoa. You can have so much. And I just I love curry. Yeah. It's just it makes me whole. It makes me so happy. And it's like a variation of soup to stew. And I love soup, so, like, it's yeah. just perfect. Soups and stews. You could say the same thing about, like, chili, where it's just, like, dried canned beans, tomato yeah. paste, onions and garlic are the only really fresh ingredients, and they last forever, even unrefrigerated. Yeah. And I know that a lot of bags of chickpeas, last time I went to the store, there was, like, very minimal chickpeas. You do not need to have chickpeas in your curry. Like, you can use whatever, like... Yeah. I don't recommend black beans, but you could use pinto beans. You can use kidney beans. You like could, there's... you don't even need beans. Like there's curries that are just potatoes and peas. Yeah, like really, there's a pea curry recipe that's like that looks really good. I really need to try it, but I forgot to pick up frozen peas. Um, but you like got dried peas. You got dried peas. You got dried peas. I got dried peas. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! That's time. Oh shit. <laughs> We gotta go make curry! <laughs> well, I guess we can talk about... I told See, we only got, like, halfway through our list, too. Damn, you guys will never know what else we have. Yeah. you. I bet you really wanted us to explain what Dolgano is to you, but it's too late. Sorry. Ha ha ha, go watch the BuzzFeed video. Now we'll never get to it, and you'll never know. <laughs> Alright, that was... Yeah, thanks for that listening. That was fun! To the first episode of the On The Clock podcast. Yeah. We are supposed to have actually a lightning round. Oh, at the we end. were going to do a lightning round. We didn't We didn't plan that. I planned that. You planned. Oh, shit. All right. Would you even put this on the show notes? This is a fucking ambush. I know. <laughs> I did this to surprise him. <laughs> oh, oh, man. You're taking advantage of how forgetful I am here. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. So, lightning round. How this is going to work. We're going to have about two to three minutes to discuss a topic. And I was thinking about in the future just having you guys choose what kind of topic it is. Because it could be, like, wildly absurd and definitely cannot cover in two minutes. Um, or it could be, like, really corny and cheesy. Whatever. So, <laughs> lightning round is just going to be us talking about a certain topic for two to three minutes. Okay. Are you ready? I'm setting the timer for three minutes. Beetlejuice. 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 <laughs> I want to talk about Beetlejuice slash Beetlejuice in general. Oh god, she's been playing the album for this just nonstop. Yes, and hi. Even Welcome to my insanity. My god. We it's recently we watched it, um, and I'm so sorry for theater snobs who are gonna hate us, but we can't afford tickets. So there's not any shows playing right now. Also, yeah. I think it got canceled. It did, um, yeah. Which is so sad uh, because it's so good. Um, we watched this pirated version of Beetlejuice the musical while at home. Uh, it was I don't know if I'd say pirated. It was an independent film crew. <laughs> <laughs> of one person with a phone 
Um, behind a very tall man. Behind a very tall, bald man. Yeah. Um, I think it was the same guy that was blocking my view of Ozfest when I went to it when I was seventeen. <laughs> it was it was rough, but also it was just so good. It it's, was very comical and nice. It's a wonderful show. Yeah, I think set design. I'm pretty sure it won some Tonys for set design. I'm almost positive. When you have a, like a giant puppet snake that takes up yeah. like half the set and eats one of the characters and pulls them off set, you better win fucking award for that. <laughs> and he is Tom has not actually seen Beetlejuice movie. I have, and I have not seen Beetlejuice the cartoon. I haven't so, seen that either. Yeah, so like I literally we only in... knew of it through like cultural osmosis. Yeah, I think we watched or we listened to um, an episode of Musical Splaining with Lindsay Ellis. Um, and Podcast Papa. influences on our sleeve. Here we go. Yeah, we have just listened to far too many podcasts. <laughs> We're quarantined. What else are we going to do? Um, <laughs> so Beetlejuice is just so good and quirky and funny and deals with like interesting topics of grief in such a great way um tom you're supposed to talk now because we have a timer on we do have a timer on um i surprised you you did which is why you talked because you were more prepared to <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna maybe you know the lightning rounds um <laughs> we're gonna maybe rethink this a little bit in the future um that's time. <laughs> Alright, Beetlejuice, here's my hot take. It's good, folks. He said that I got him into musicals now, and I don't believe it. I mean... <laughs> it's true. It's very good. It's been stuck in my head, which makes it more annoying. But that's just how musicals are. They're very catchy. I like how bombastic they are. Yeah, they're fun. But we shouldn't still be talking. We have run out of time. We have run out of time. So, so. that's the Rebels We Are. We're breaking our own rules and format <laughs> on episode one. Uh, right there. Thank you for uh, listening to the first episode of On the Clock. Unfortunately, we have to cancel because we've broken podcast <laughs> law. Um, we've so broken our is, own rules. Thank you for listening to the final episode of On the Clock podcast. <laughs> uh, have a good night, everybody. Bye! Bye!